the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I want to talk to us this weekend about purpose, being inspired with purpose. Inspiration means there's something alive in you. There's a, there's a breath in you about your purpose, your sense of, of purpose and destiny for your life. And God wants to put into every one of us, He wants to give us a sense of purpose for our life. Why? Because God created you on purpose for a purpose. Every person here has been created by God on purpose for a purpose. Let's take a look at some scriptures that emphasize this for us. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, as the prophet Jeremiah is reflecting on his calling, he says, The Lord gave me this message. God spoke to me and said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Jeremiah says, Even before I was formed in my mother's womb, God knew me. The same is true for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, You know it well. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Three times in this one little verse, the word plans is used. God says, I planned some things for you. I have a plan for you. I have plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and give you a future. God says, I created you with a plan in mind. There's a purpose for your life. God created you on purpose for a purpose. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, God has given each of you, that's you and me, some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessing. God said, I gave you some gifts. I created you on purpose for a purpose, and I have gifted you. There are gifts in your life. In fact, would you say with me, I am gifted. Say it together. I am gifted. I'm gifted by God. So you're created by God on purpose for a purpose, and God put gifts inside of you. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is a source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us, each of us, every one of us, so we can help each other. So we are gifted and we're special. You are not an accident. There's a good for your life that God has planned and ordained for your life. And even when we do bad, when we mess up and we don't do the good that we were created to do, God is still able to reach down in the midst of our badness and redeem us and restore our lives. That's why Jesus came. He came to save sinners like you and me and bring us back into relationship with God. The beautiful story of the gospel. And so everything that God made, he made for good purposes and you're important to God, you're valuable to God. You need to believe there's a God-designed purpose for your life. There's a reason for you being here on planet Earth right now, in this season, this time in history. God planted you here for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. You are gifted and you are special to God. And what God makes is always good. He makes no mistakes. He doesn't have accidents. You are important to God. 
Now, when we think about the purpose of God, I want to make a quick transition here to some other words that connect to purpose. Because you really can't live out your purpose with God until you understand the plan of God for your life. And to understand the plan of God for your life, you have to understand the will of God for your life. And so the will of God relates to the plans of God for your life, and the plans of God for your life fulfills the purpose that God has for you. So I want to lay some foundation work today by giving you four things to understand when it comes to grasping the plan of God for your life. How do you know what God's will is for you? Number one, you need to understand that if you're going to discover God's will, you've got to start living for what lasts. You can't live for the temporary and expect to enjoy the eternal. When it comes to life, the world that we live, certain things are temporary and certain things are eternal. Temporary, that is, they're not going to be here forever, okay? Once you die, they're gone, okay? And eternal represents what's going to go past this life into the next life. And you and I will make choices in the way that we think, the way that we live. We'll either live for what is temporary or we will live for what is eternal. You make the choice. You're going to decide in your life where you're going to throw your energies, where you're going to throw your focus. Will I throw my energy? Will I throw my focus on what is temporary? Or will I throw my focus and put my energies into that which is eternal? Every person has to make that choice in their life. And you will never, listen, you will never discover the fullness of God's purpose for your life until you embrace the eternal over the temporary. And when you're living for possessions, your possessions are not going to, listen, I remind you of this. The Bible reminds your possessions are not going to last past this life not going to happen. Another way to live for the temporary is to live for popularity. I just want people to like me, and so I'm going to do whatever's necessary for people to like me, because if I get lots of people liking me, then I'm going to be important, you know, and so that passes away, because you can be, you can be popular today. I promise you, you're not going to be popular in just a few years, okay? If you're living for pleasure, I just want to have some fun. I want to make sure my life is full of fun and enjoyment. It's not going to last, Nothing wrong with pleasure, but it's not, it's not an eternal value. It's something that's actually superficial and shallow. It can rob you of eternal pleasures. You can live for the pleasures of today and miss the eternal pleasures that God has in store for you by, by passing what He's wanting you to embrace in your life. And then the last one I'll give you here is living for position, power, and prestige. If you live to attain a certain position or to get a certain amount of power in your life or to be a person that has prestige, those things just don't, they just don't last. Notice the scriptures in Luke chapter 12. I want to give you a story that Jesus gave us here. It's a parable that he gave about a man that lived for the temporary. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, talking to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So this guy's very concerned about his money. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me to be a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Everybody say temporary. It's all temporary. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Notice verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Living for the temporary versus the eternal, Paul said, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 and 18, for our light and momentary troubles, what we experience here on earth, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is, is what? Temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The second thing that's necessary to be in the will of God, you've got to be all in with God. When God loves us, and He does love us, He loves us unconditionally. There are no conditions placed upon the love of God. God doesn't love you less one day and love you more another day based upon your performance. God loves you consistently, and He loves you unconditionally. There's never a time that God can love you more than He loves you right now because He loves you fully, and He will always love you unconditionally. However, when it comes back to our relationship with God... We make a choice as to how we will love God, and we can love God conditionally. We can love God unconditionally. We can also love God conditionally. That means that we love God placing some conditions on our relationship with Him. As God, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do except, or God, I'm willing to give you any aspect of my life, but I want to hold this part for me. Uh, This is my life. This is who I want to be or what I want with my life. And you can have everything else, God, but let me hold on to that. It's called conditional surrender to God. And far more than we realize, every one of us have to battle this very thing. There's a story of a man in the Bible that we could easily bypass and say, well, that doesn't really, really relate to me, but I'm going to bring it home to us here in just a moment. In Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse number 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So here's this guy, he runs to Jesus, says, Jesus, I want to understand, how do I have a relationship with you? I want to understand eternal life. I want this to be a part of my life. And, and Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. So Jesus said, how did you do with the commandments? The guy says, well, you know, all those commandments you just quoted, I've been pretty good at those since I was a boy. I tried to be very conscientious about doing the right thing with my life. Now, verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. It was a love that Jesus had for this young man. Then he said something to him. He said, one thing you lack, one thing, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Here's what I want you to see in this story, very important part of this story. Here's a young man who has tremendous potential for his future, tremendous potential possibility for his life in relationship with God. Tremendous purpose that God had for him. He obviously had a spiritual interest, right? He came to Jesus asking spiritual questions, right? So there was something in him that was good. He was seeking God at some level. And so here he has this conversation with Jesus, and Jesus realizes that this young man has got one major problem in his life, and the major problem in his life is he's holding on to something that he's not willing to give up. Jesus was not worried about his money. He was not worried that this man had money. He was concerned that the money had the man. Are you hearing me? So Jesus is not concerned about what you have. Jesus is concerned about what has you. 
What's got a grip on you? What's holding on to you? So it's not about what you have. It's about what's, what has you. What's got a grip on you? And Jesus looked at him and said, young man, there's one thing. There's just one thing that is in the way of you having the greatest fulfilled life in relationship with me, discovering your purpose. One thing that you lack. Go sell everything. Give to the poor. Come follow me. Now, that's the only time in the Bible that Jesus told a person to do that. This is not the general characteristic of Jesus going around telling people to sell everything and come follow him. He doesn't do that. But he does it with this young man. Why? Because he saw the one thing in this young man's life that was conditional. I'll serve God, but I want to hold on to this. The Bible says that after Jesus spoke those words to this young man, he walked away and he literally walked off the pages of the Bible. We never hear from him again. I love what the psalmist David writes in Psalm 40, verse 8. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. One translation says, I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. David came to the place of an unconditional surrender of his life to God. He was all in. The third thing is necessary. If you and I are going to experience God's will for our life and purpose for our life, you and I need to ask God to guide us and believe that he will. Part of this journey with God and finding His will is to, for you and me to ask Him to guide us, to say, God, I need your, your guidance. I need your wisdom. I need it every day. I need it every moment. I need it every second of every day. God, I'm inviting you into my life to guide me into your will. Why is this important? Won't God just guide us without us asking? Well, certainly He providentially works in our lives, but He's also waiting for us to appeal to Him and to ask Him to guide our lives. He wants us to pray those kind of prayers, as you see recorded in the psalmist over and over again. Psalm 25, verse 5, the psalmist prays, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me all day long. I put my hope in you. Chapter 27, verse 11, Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. The 43rd chapter the book of Psalms. Verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. Over and over again, the psalmist is saying, God, lead me. God, guide me. I'm asking for your input in my life. And then the 23rd Psalm, you know it well. Read it together with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Why do you and I need to ask God to guide us? Because when you and I ask God to guide us, we're reminding ourselves that he's in charge and we're not. When we ask God to guide us, we're reminding that we need him in our life to daily order our steps. We're inviting him to intervene in our plans and to interject his plans into our plans. See, sometimes I have what I think are some pretty good plans for my life until God shows up. And God shows up and he ever, has God ever messed up your plans? But it's vital for us to say, God, I need you in my life. And to believe that when you ask God to guide you, God will guide you. But you need to ask with the two conditions that I've just talked about. God, I'm thinking eternally and not temporarily. And I'm all in with you. Now, guide me. And the fourth thing today, you need to trust God's word in ways above your own. You're not going to experience the purpose of God in your life until you trust God's word and God's ways above your own. This is, this is key to guidance. Trust is a key to guidance. Because I've got to trust the guide to tell me what to do. You see people go, oh, I need a word from God. God said, hey, I thought I gave you one. Right? Are you hearing me? Okay. Oh, God, please speak to me. Well, I think it's sitting on your bedside table. Okay. We're always praying for God to talk to us and speak to us. God, if I just hear, God says, but I... I 
I sent my word to you, okay? You haven't opened it in the last couple of weeks, but it's right there on the table for you, okay? See, this is your navigation system. And the way you obey the navigation system is you trust it. And there are going to be times in your life that when you open up the pages of this book, it's going to tell you to do things that you don't feel like doing. Love your enemies. I don't feel like doing that. How about you? Okay. That's what it says to do. That's the navigation system. And so either I'm going to do what I feel or I'm going to do what it says, right? There are going to be times in my life that I'm not going to understand what the Scripture says in its implication for my life. And so the issue is not whether I feel like doing it or whether I even understand it. The issue is what is the navigation system for my life. And so if I embrace the Bible as my navigation system and I trust it, I will trust it above my own will, my own words, my own feelings, my own inclinations. All of us have had those moments where we've, we've disregarded. Anybody just shake your head and say, there have been times you disregarded what was in this book. Anybody been there? Come on. Tell the truth, because you're, if not, you're disregarding it right now because you're lying. Okay, okay. Everybody is disregarded, this is, and, and we always pay a price, right? Something happens in our soul whenever we disregard the navigation. We detour. We miss the mark. So if you're going to stay on track with God, you've got to trust Him and obey Him, because if you don't trust Him, you will set your own course. And when you set your own course, you always mess up, okay? When you're not following... And by the way, it's not just the, the direct commands of this book... There are principles in this book that you have to obey as well, okay? And so when you learn the commands and the principles, the precepts and the principles, and obey them, then it will set you on the right track. But you disobey them, and it detours you. It sidetracks your life, and we all have had that experience. There's a man in the Bible I want to give you a story about that will illustrate this. This will bring us to a conclusion today. There's a man by the name of Naaman, and Naaman lived in Syria during the time of Elisha the prophet. And Naaman was a, was a great warrior. He was a, a commanding officer in the Syrian army. He, he had won a lot of battles. He was very highly decorated, very respected in the Syrian army. The king respected him greatly. And one day, Naaman wakes up, starts looking at his body, and he realizes, what, what are all these spots on my body? And before long, they were multiplying and beginning to eat away at his flesh, and he had leprosy. And so here's this very well-educated, highly decorated captain commander of the army of Syria, who is now suffering with, with, with leprosy. No way to cure him. It's just downhill from there. No hope. But in his household, there was a little Israelite lady who was a servant in his house who served Naaman's wife. And one day as she heard about Naaman's leprosy, this Israelite girl said to Naaman's wife, by the way, you know, there's a prophet in Israel by, by the name of Elisha. And if, if, if my master Naaman will go there to Israel, he can find a cure. He can find God. God will meet him and will restore him. And there's, there's hope for his life if you'll find the God of Israel. So the wife of Naaman shared that with Naaman, and Naaman goes to the king of Syria and gets permission to go down to Israel. He goes down originally to the king of Israel and ultimately makes his way to the house of Elisha. And with that, I want to pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 5, and let's see what happens because it teaches us the very principle that I'm talking about today. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to, to him with this message, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought, I thought, everybody say I thought. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected, say that with me, I 
So I thought and I... He's got his own plan, right? What are the two words again? I thought I expected. This is how it's got to work. If it's going to work, got to work this way. I thought I expected he would certainly come out to meet me. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call in the name of the Lord his God and heal me. So here is Naaman. He's down now with Elisha. He goes to Elisha's house with all of his entourage, knocks on the door, and Elisha does not even come out to greet him. He sends his messenger out. Why? Because when the healing transpired, Elisha wanted Naaman to know it was God and it wasn't Elisha. He was linking him with a God of miracles, not with the messenger of miracles. So here's this moment, and so here's the messenger, and he says, hey, here's what, here's what the man of God says. This is what God says you're, you're supposed to do. Go to the Jordan River and dip yourself seven times. Naaman walks away. He's angry. He's mad because he says, I thought it was going to happen this way. He should have at least come out and spoken to me, and he should have, maybe he could have waved his hand or something, okay? He didn't do any of that. He told me to go wash in the Jordan River. Let's continue the story now. Everybody getting a little picture of Naaman right now? Does he look a little bit like you sometimes? He says in verse 12, Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, the far par better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. So he said, I thought I expected. I have a better idea. If I'm going to get healed, why don't I pick a river that's nicer than the Jordan River? It's not as muddy as this. I've got a better idea than God does. You ever thought you had a better idea than God did? You haven't? Come see me after service. I need to talk to you, okay? There are times in our life that we think and we expect and we think we have a better idea than God does. And Except one lady here. She's never had that, okay? She's... But these things happen in our life, and we're very much like Naaman. We kind of figure the plan out. It would be better if it happened this way, if I could do that, make it happen. It would be all great if it just worked out the way I want it to. Not the Jordan. I don't like the Jordan. Can I pick a different river? Right? No, God said, no, it's not, it's not the far par. It's not Abana. It's Jordan. Okay? So notice what happens here. But his officers tried to reason with him. So he's walking off in a fume. He's mad because it's not happening the way he wants it to happen. He's trusting his way over God's way. But the officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly been, obey him when he simply says, Go and wash in the Jordan and be cured. Wash and be cured. Verse 14, So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. So now he's finally obeying. He's trusting and obeying as the man of God had instructed him. And notice what happened. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. It always pays to trust God's word and God's ways above your own, okay? Let me conclude with a passage of Scripture that every one of us here perhaps have heard. We perhaps can even quote it by heart. Just because you can quote it doesn't mean that you need to forget it because it's a very powerful verse that gives us principles. Would you read it together with me at both campuses? Let's read. Here we go. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Are you ready? Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. And just sit back for a moment and listen to this one more time as I read it. Let it sink in. Let it get down in your spirit today. 
trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just let it go. All in. No conditions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Forget the I expected, I thought. Get rid of all that. Seek his will in all you do. God, would you just guide me? I'm all in with you. I just want to be right where you, whatever it is, it's okay. Notice the con- these are the conditions for guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. Here's the promise. And he will, he will show you which path to take. I like to think of it this way. It's not even so much God showing us which path to take in terms of a choice. But when you trust in God with all your heart and you lean not to your own understanding, when in all of your ways you acknowledge him, one translation says he will make your path straight. It's just like the path opens up for you as you begin to do what God asks you to do. You don't have to force it. And many times you're not even making a decision because the path is open. You've already made the decision to do the prerequisites. And when you do the prerequisites, then God fulfills his promise to us. Amen? Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.